day. But let's talk to Anne Menon now, uh, because, of course, there's all sorts of things on the table now. The uh, Brexit argument seems to be getting diluted literally by the hour. On the one hand, we've got Theresa May saying that there may have to be an MV4, there may have to be some kind of deal done with Labour. Labour saying they may have to have some kind of referendum. Some people saying it's down to WTO now if there's a really bad defeat for the Tories uh, on Thursday, which is almost bound to happen. Anand, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad at all. I'm sorry to be quite so kind of um, widespread with my suggestions <laughs> of what the stories are, but it really has sort of dissipated into into a world of a thousand kaleidoscopes, hasn't it? No, no, absolutely. And the first thing that you're absolutely right about is the results of this election. We don't really start counting until the polls, polls close across Europe, and that's Sunday night. Yes. So actually, we won't get the results till early Monday morning. And another quirk is, the Western Isles in Scotland aren't allowed to start counting on a Sunday because it's the Lord's Day, so they'll be slightly later than everyone else. Oh, my well. goodness. So, so the wee freeze are still in charge over there, are they? Yeah, so don't don't expect any results till sort of late mon- uh, Sunday evening, early Monday morning. Yeah. But the other thing the other thing is, just I'm, I was just listening to your news headlines a minute ago, and there's something slightly Game of Thrones about all this, isn't there? Because <laughs> like the Game of Thrones, Brexit is something that loads of people are absolutely hooked to, but it looks to me very much as if very, very few people are going to like the ending. Yes, well, the uh, difference between Game of Thrones difference between Game of Thrones and Brexit is that Game of Thrones has, in fact, ended. You know, we've still got quite a long way to go, it seems to me, before uh, we can call the end in any way, shape or form. No, no, absolutely. But the problem we have is it's very hard to see an ending to the Brexit story that a majority of people are going to be satisfied with. So, yes. in a sense, whatever we end up with, there's going to be a significant block of people that are deeply, deeply unhappy with it. And and that spells problems, and it also spells the fact that Brexit is going to be with us for a while to come, even when the process itself is full. Yes. The thing that, find, that I find quite puzzling as well, Anand, and I'm sure you, you do as well, is that there's so many different certainties. You know, like, if this happens, we'll definitely be closer to a, a WTO withdrawal, or if that happens, we're definitely going to get closer to a second referendum. I mean, almost every kind of um, sort of premonition or prediction like that turns out to have an entirely opposite and quite contrary um, thought process from somebody else. Well, absolutely. And that's partly the Twitter effect, isn't it? Where there is absolutely no gap between what certain commentators want to happen and what they confidently predict will happen. But you're absolutely right. I mean, for instance, you could see... Uh, a big surge for the Lib Dems in this election having one of two contradictory consequences. It could give heart to the Remain cause and add more MPs to the list of people who want a second referendum or it could put the fear of God into Brexiters and actually convince enough of them to push this deal over the line to avoid a referendum. So it's far from clear what any particular outcome will mean and a lot's going to hinge on the lessons that MPs draw from these Elections. Whether, for instance, if the Brexit party does really well, will that convince even more Tories that we should leave with no deal? Or will it convince Labour MPs who worry about Nigel Farage's impact in their constituencies to back Theresa May's deal? There are all sorts of permutations, and I think the spin on these elections is going to be crucial because it's going to shape how people interpret them. Yeah, I mean, no matter how well you spin, by the way, I can't see that there's going to be much good news for the Tory party uh, after what happens in the European elections. But, I mean, again, the polls could be wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like they are, though. No, that's absolutely true. But the big question, I suppose, for the Tories and to a lesser extent for Labour is to what extent the British electorate is getting savvy and getting good at lending people their votes. That's to say, people might think, all right, look, I'll vote for the Brexit party in these European elections because they're about Europe. 
But when it comes to a general election, will those same people vote for the Brexit party in constituencies they know they can't win? Because, of course, if you're a right-wing Brexiter, the real danger for you is by voting for the Brexit party under first-past-the-post, you might be making a Corbyn victory more likely by helping Labour get in. Yes, and that, again, is, 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 is just one of the many permutations. But what do you feel is the kind of... I mean, you mentioned Nigel Farage, who, of course, is running in the, in, the, in the elections themselves, so I'll be mentioning some of the other candidates who also are running in his area. The bottom line for him is what he gets out of this and how uh, the Brexit party tries to kind of, if you like, leverage the, the result in the sense that he has said, if they do well, he will want a place at the table. I don't think a place on the table is going to be offered to him because that's not how our politics works. If you do well, remember, the last few European elections, the party that has won has gone on to do rather badly at the next general election. So that's not on offer. But the flip side is, firstly, his achievement is a remarkable one because this party wasn't around three months ago and they're now heading a national poll, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, The second thing is what he gets out of these European elections, I think, are two things. One, he gets profile. We talk about him on the media, he's on the telly a lot because his party's doing well. And secondly, and crucially for his party, if they get a lot of MEPs, that provides them with money. Because, of course, these people will get significant amounts of money from the European Parliament and they can use that to fund their activities here. Mm, Exactly right. And notwithstanding the result of the Eurovision Song Contest, I'm not buying that that (laughs) was down to Brexit whatsoever. Um, What do you reckon is happening in the corridors of power in Brussels right now? Because, of course, they're looking around all sorts of um, parties, populist parties across Europe, in, from, from Austria to Spain to Germany to France to Italy to Hungary. You know, I mean, they must be sitting there thinking, what's happening? Well, I think there is a fear because it looks like this might be the first time that that broad coalition of centre-right and centre-left is going to fall below 50%. So there is a worry about that, and there is a worry that they will be dependent on the votes of others. For instance, the Greens to pass legislation and that might change things but also bear in mind populism isn't just a phenomenon of the right in Mm. these elections you have the radical left you have the radical greens and we're going to get populists on both sides of the spectrum which speaks to the fact of a a broad dissatisfaction with mainstream politics that people are reacting to in different ways but Mm. yes the european parliament that comes out of this will be very different to the european parliament we have now and the first major impact that's going to have is on the selection of the commission president which is due to take place in the autumn and the guy most people used to assume was going to win this the head of the european people's party which is the center-right bloc Manfred Verma, uh, weber is almost certainly not going mm. to get through if those fringe parties do well no quite and to go back to just the events of the weekend stephen barclay was on sophie ridge on sunday on sky news talking about how it might be necessary now to ramp up once again uh, the preparations for a no-deal brexit well i thought to myself well, hang on a second i thought we just took some kind of big hit financially and had to pay out a load of money because various other plans for a no-deal Brexit were now going to be wound down. Well, yes. I mean, this is <laughs> all a little bit opaque. I mean, there are several things about this. One is we know that the Treasury has put aside an awful lot of money. I think it's £4 billion for no-deal preparations. Mm. Secondly, we know some of those preparations have happened, taking on new custom staff and stuff like that is underway. But the third thing you've got to remember is inside the Conservative Party, there's a lot of signalling going on. The one thing that anyone who wants to be the next Tory leader knows is that the majority of the ultimate electorate who are members of the Tory party want a no-deal Brexit. So whether you believe it or not, if you want to be leader, you've got to 
sound like you're going to be happy with no deal. Yes, quite. And so, I mean, as far as Theresa May is concerned, we appear to be getting closer to the end as far as her reign is concerned, if, if you want to call it that. Um, it looks as though she will have to, at some point soon, uh, give her kind of um, timetable for, for exiting Downing Street, if not exiting the European Union. Um, and the meaningful vote will take place, we think, sometime before the summer recess uh, in early June. So... Um, we are, we, are, we are sort of like treacle moving inexorably towards something. It's not quite sure what it is. Well, yeah, I mean, it is a snail's pace because, of course, at that sort of much vaunted meeting with the 1922 exec last week, she didn't give a timetable for going. She gave a timetable for giving a timetable when she's going. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very, very small step. Yeah. And ironically, I suspect that the fact that she's announced that she's going will make it harder for her to get that vote over the line because... The Tories are all plotting against her and positioning themselves for that leadership election that we now know is coming. And the Labour Party say, why should we make a deal with the Prime Minister who's going to be gone in a couple of months? Yes. Because actually her successor can rip the deal up if he wants to. But that's it, isn't it? And as far as the legal position is concerned, I hear a lot now as well, Anand, about how the withdrawal agreement uh, can't be messed about with, but the political sort of agreement can. What does that effectively mean for you? Well, what it means is that the European Union to date have said the big 600-page document that deals with the sort of loose ends of membership, the withdrawal agreement with the backstop, with the stuff on how much we owe, they will not reopen that, whoever the Prime Minister is. It could be Jeremy Corbyn, it could be Boris Johnson, it doesn't matter. That, as far as they're concerned, is the document. So anyone who has concerns over that document, so people who say, I can't possibly accept the backstop, you're going to have to vote against the deal because mm. there's no changing it and there's no option. Right. The second thing is a, a rather vague political declaration on the nature of our future relationship. The problem with that, of course, is it's not formally legally binding. So whatever we put in it now, we could get a new prime minister in a couple of years who turns around and says, actually, that's not where I want to go. I want to go somewhere else. And if he or she has the majority in Parliament, that's what will happen. Right. Interesting stuff. Anna, as ever, thank you very much indeed. Hopefully we'll be back down in Westminster's College Green at some point soon. But my feeling is they're trying to keep us away because they don't want all those demos going on. No, no, no. I'm, I'm a great fan of the grass because the number of pairs of shoes I've wrecked in the mud there, I want the grass to grow. <laughs> OK, all right. Well, I don't think it's going to take any longer than us leaving the European Union. So, I mean, it could be a, <laughs> it could be a jungle down there before we know it. And thank you very much indeed. Adam Menon there, a professor of European politics, King's College London, director of UK and Changing Europe.